Our scripture reading this morning is John 5, 19 through 29, which can be found on page 1058 in the Pew Bible. That's John 5, 19 through 29. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son of Man can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Would you pray with me? Lord, we know everything we need for life and godliness can be found in your word. Lord, open our eyes and ears this morning to hear to understand as your word is preached. Let us see the Lord Jesus as he is and let the light of your gospel shine this morning. And we ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks, Wes. Well, good morning. It is good to be with you all this morning. Aren't we glad it is still winter? Um, as Tyler is still here, it's his last Sunday. His family's down in Georgia right now. I think the last act of being a, a good shepherd and elder to you is he can help you uh, plow any extra snow you have on your driveway today. So it's first come, first serve. Oh, you've all heard the phrase, right? Uh, like father, like son. Or the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Uh, if you were to look at a photo of myself as a young boy and my son Hudson as he is today, they are almost identical, especially us as little infants. We look very, very similar. Uh, on top of my appearance, though, my kids have picked up some of my good habits, and they have also picked up some of my bad habits. But you know what rubs me wrong every time I hear it is when my wife or my mom say, you sound like your father. The way you do that, the way you cough, the way you laugh, the way you react to certain things, they're not always in the best context when they say, 
that's your dad. Well, this morning, as we see Jesus uh, continue this discussion, he expounds upon what we saw last week in verses uh, 17 and 18. He says, my father is working until now, and I am working. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making him equal with God. Well, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree with Jesus, or like father, like son. As our statement of faith reads, we believe in the eternal triune God, who reveals himself to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, with distinct personal attributes, but without division of nature, essence, or being. Jesus is like his Father. Distinct persons, both fully divine, always working together, and always cooperating. John will help us as we continue in our study to understand more and more of the Trinity as we piece these things together. And this morning, we get to focus on the Son and His relationship with the Father. This morning, we will see that Jesus is God, and those who hear and follow His voice will live forever because He judges rightly. So let's pray, and we'll look again at our text. Father, thank you for this morning that we get to gather. Thank you this, for this morning for revealing to us who you are in your word. Thank you that we can trust it, even though at times it's difficult to understand. And so God, would you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to respond and follow the good things that we see in your word. We pray this for your glory, for our joy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So look with me again at verses 19 to 24. I'll read it again for us. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father." Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. And so again, Jesus is God, and those who hear and follow his voice will live because the Father, or because he judges rightly. And so as we saw, the Jews, they wanted to kill Jesus because he was breaking the Sabbath and their rules that they had, calling himself equal to God. And because of that, Jesus takes a moment to teach them. And in verse 19, we see that they should take note of what he has to say. 
He says, truly, truly. Some of your translations or older translations might say, verily, verily. The words are, amen, amen. Jesus is saying, pay attention to what I have to say. Jesus, he broke their Sabbath rules. Jesus calls himself equal to God and says that he can do nothing of his own accord. You see here, Jesus and the Father, they are equal. They are mutually submitted to each other. They are compatibly functioning with each other within the Trinity. And Jesus is not like my dad to me or me to my sons. Jesus is not descended from the Father. He is eternally begotten. He has always existed, has always existed for all eternity. And Jesus gives us four reasons in our text of why he can do nothing of his own accord. First, we see in verse 19 that he acts like God. He says he is equal for or because he does what the Father does. Jesus, he continues to wisely apply his sovereignty, God's sovereignty over all things. We've called this providence. And we saw this in Genesis, the connections between Genesis and what John is writing in his gospel are significant. In Genesis, it's still fresh for us, God providentially called Abraham. He chose the land of Canaan. He rejected Esau over Jacob. He took Joseph through trials, took him to Egypt. He caused a famine to happen in the land and Jacob's family would go to Egypt and Jesus says he does likewise. And John, we've found that Jesus is not just at certain places meeting with certain people by chance. Jesus himself, he found himself at the river when John was teaching about the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world and Jesus would show up at this river and what did John say? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus in his calling of Andrew and Simon and Nathaniel and Philip was not by accident. Jesus finding himself at this wedding in Cana was not by accident. Jesus meeting with Nicodemus at night was not by accident. Jesus meeting the woman at the well was not by accident because he was just thirsty. He was there on purpose. It was not by accident that he met the cripple last week and he specifically chose this man out of many to heal. What he's saying is if you want to kill him because he's breaking the Sabbath or equating himself with God, we'll also add that he providentially acts like God, the Father, to his resume. Second, he doesn't just act like God for or because in verse 20, he loves like the Father. We saw that he had mercy last week towards the cripple. He had love towards the marginalized, sinful, adulterous woman at the well. The Father loves like this too. If you remember the story of Hagar in Genesis chapter 16, who met her at the well when she had committed acts of adultery was in shame and desperation. It was God the Father. The apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Jesus exercises his providence and his mercy like the Father. He loves like the Father. They have different functions. They have different roles, but they are equal in nature. 
And Jesus had a unique ability to see God's providential hand working in all things because he has always existed eternally outside of time. And he is able to see that which is invisible for our finite human minds to see. And he's been able to do so forever. As one commentator says, it's impossible for the son to take independent, self-determined action that would set him over against the father as another god. For all the son does is both coincident or simultaneous and coextensive or effective that which he says he will do. It actually happens with all that the father does. Jesus is equal to God. We can see it in his providence, in his loving kindness, and in verse 21 is the third reason, for or because he raises the dead like the Father does. In John, we've seen Jesus protect a boy from death a couple weeks ago, heal a sick man by a pool, and we will see the climax of his miracles in John chapter 11 when he raises Lazarus from the dead. The same voice that said last week, get up, take up your bed, or two weeks ago, go, your son will live, is effective in bringing life. It happens. It's the same voice that brings life to that which didn't exist in Genesis. Let there be light. Let there be waters. Let the waters separate. Let it sprout living vegetation. Let there be living creatures. In the last act of creation in Genesis 1, let us give life to man. The Trinity is present in Genesis 1. Let us make man in our image. Plural pronouns are used all the way back in Genesis 1. And then in Genesis 2, verse 7, Moses recounts, Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. Jesus claims deity because he has a providential hand like the Father. Jesus claims deity because he acts in love like the Father. And he gives life to the dead like the Father. And giving life is only a prerogative of God. And in verse 22, we get the fourth reason that Jesus shows that he is equal to God the Father for or because he has been granted authority over all judgment by the Father. He is equal to God in power and action, but also in judgment. Like giving life, judgment is a prerogative only of God. God's judgment, though, is always righteous. He must punish sin, but he preserves those who put their trust and their faith in Jesus because Jesus takes that punishment for those sins upon himself. There were consequences when you read in Genesis 3 after the fall for sin, but the judgment here is in Jesus. One either believes or one doesn't. And Jesus is warning these Jews that he is equal to God in providence and love and giving life, but also in judgment. And this is not a defense of Jesus answering their questions. He's turning the tables and he's warning them of their impending doom, which we will touch base on shortly. 
But in verse 23, Jesus gives the reason why and the purpose for all of this is so that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Jesus is God and he has been given the right to be worshiped. Providence, life, mercy, judgment all come from God and only God is to be worshiped. He is the only object of our worship and it's because of this worship, worship why his life is being threatened by these Jews. Because to the Jews, it was blasphemy to worship anything other than God. And Jesus wants them to take note. He says for us to take note again. He says again, truly, truly, whoever believes in him who sent me, Jesus, which is the Father, has eternal life. Not will have eternal life, has eternal life now. When the Father says, I will forgive you of your sins by believing the gospel, the good news that God saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, he will forgive us of our sins. When Jesus says, believe in me for eternal life, it's the same true and powerful words that come from God the Father. Like the Father, Jesus doesn't go back on his word either. And so take note, church. Jesus is saying, truly, truly, pay attention. Do you believe this? When we struggle, when life falls in upon us, it's hard to remember God's providence. And I'm the first to, or hopefully the first to, admit that. It's hard to remember that he is wisely applying his sovereignty over all things. And it's okay to acknowledge that, admit that, that I don't really understand what is taking place. Why does God allow th bad things to happen? I have no idea. But I do know that God is in control. Maybe it's discipline. Maybe it's to remind us of who he is. Maybe it's to remind us of our need for a savior. Maybe it's to just show you that he loves you in the midst of this challenging world in which we live. But Jesus is the source of eternal life. He is the only one who can bring death to life. He is the only proper object of our worship. And it was blasphemy for the Jews to worship anything other than God, the second commandment. But Jesus gives us multiple reasons to worship him because he's equal to the Father. We are to take notice of this. And it was the Jews who had blasphemed God because they rejected the Son. You've probably heard of the unforgivable sin, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. In all of the other three Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels, they mention this. And it's alluded to in John chapter 16. It should be up on the screen where Jesus says of the Holy Spirit when he sends him, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. My former seminary professor, he reminded me of this. So as long as someone rejects the Spirit, one can never find forgiveness of sins. God can forgive any sin except the sin of rejecting and not believing in Him. The Spirit, it show, He shows us our need for a Savior and He points us to Jesus. We will see this later in our study of the Gospel of John, but it's important here. 
But to reject the Spirit's promptings, the truth that He reveals, the direction that He wants us to gaze upon, to put our faith in, as it's revealed in the Scripture, to put our faith in Jesus is to reject God, to blaspheme God, to blaspheme the Holy Spirit when we don't believe that. And that's the unforgivable sin. The unforgivable sin is to not have faith. And God gives those who reject him what they ask for, the consequences for their sin. And so Jesus wants us to take note again in verse 25. And we'll pick up in our text there. And through the end, you can read with me. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the righteous resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Friends, Jesus is God and those who hear and follow his voice will live because he judges rightly. Jesus is not saying that those who just hear those words will receive eternal life. Hearing here doesn't just mean listening and understand that all people who hear those words are saved. It's a hearing that responds in belief. And it's a hearing that responds in obedience, like Tyler talked about last week with the cripple at the pool. Kristen and I, we, we like listening to music. We don't love music, though. Half the time we'll hear something on the radio, it's kind of a catchy tune, or we'll have a, a song that we like and we'll listen to it. And To understand the words of a song though, sometimes it takes a little bit more effort to connect the dots, to add some context, to connect words together. Sometimes if you're like me, we hear stuff on the radio like, oh, well, that catchy tune, I probably shouldn't listen to it anymore when I see what those words are about. But sometimes you put that worship song on and you just repeat it over and over again. Why would you mess with a good thing? But with Jesus, we must not just hear his words. It's even possible to memorize his words like a song without knowing and applying what they mean. We must apply the words that Jesus says in his word and live properly in response to them. And as Jesus says, hearing his words is as equivalent to hearing the words of the Father. The Son speaks only of what the Father gives him to say. And Jesus' critics, remember, they're the Jews. And Jesus uses a, a, an ironic twist for the Jews with this Jewish idea of hearing. One of the most famous texts in all of the Old Testament is in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 9. I'll read it for you. should have most of it on the screen. Moses is proclaiming to the Israelites as they're about ready to return into the land. And he says, hear, O Israel, 
The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The Jews were commanded not to just hear the words of God. They were called to obey them, to follow them, to do something about them, to write them down, remind each other of them, to follow them. And those who truly obey or those who truly believe, hear and obey, and those are the ones who will live. And this new life is a quality of life like no other. Not only will the duration of this eternal life be forever, but the quality of this life will be like no other. Hearing to obey is how God wants us to live. And friends, that is what is best for us. Following what God says in his word is the proper way to live, not because we're following a holy God, but it is best for us and most useful for us. And so how do you hear to obey? Do you come here on a Sunday to hear to obey God's words? Not my words, God's words. If not, what could that mean? Do you come on Wednesdays to hear to obey? If not, consider what God may want of you. Do you open your Bibles when you're in your own homes to understand to obey? Or do you just check off a box in case someone asks you, are you participating in that Bible reading plan? Your response to yourself may be telling or Jesus' words may be encouraging to you. Friends, we hear to obey because that's when we receive life, as it says in verse 26. The life-giving power of the Son is granted by the Father. And the Father and the Son are united. They are one. They are united in nature, character, action, and purpose. But they are also distinct persons with different roles. And it's a beautiful mystery that we will never fully understand this side of eternity. And that's okay to admit as well. But the Father grants the authority to the Son, we see in verse 27. The authority to execute the judgment. Jesus, he knows our hearts. He knows our hearing. He knows our obedience. He knows if our obedience is drudgery, but he also knows if our obedience is joy. And friends, it's either joy or drudgery because Jesus' words are meant to warn or to encourage us. The Word of God, the Bible, that we open every week here with us, each other is meant to show us our need for a Savior. And the Spirit gives us the power to believe that salvation only comes by believing in Jesus and His atoning work on the cross for our sins. The Word shows us our need, but also the Word shows us our solution for that need in Jesus. 
The hour is coming when it will be too late to make a decision, to believe. And while living here, we will either blaspheme the Holy Spirit by not hearing to believe or obey, or we will hear, heed, believe, and follow that which is good and receive a better quality of life that follows God's will for us, but also an eternal life that lasts forever. And friends, this is meant to humble the hearers. Remember, Jesus is being accused here and interrogated by the Jews. And his words are meant to humble them, but are also meant to humble us. And Jesus, Jesus is warning them, and John is warning us, that you only have so long to rightly and appropriately respond to the words that we hear. And none of us know when we will take our last breath. And so I would not be doing my job if I didn't give you Jesus' warnings. But that same voice that gave life to Adam and Eve in the garden, that same voice that created everything out of nothing is the same voice that Jesus calls us with. He calls to hear, not just to sit there doing nothing like the dust on the ground in Genesis 8, but to do something, to move, to get life, to respond, to come alive, like it was before the fall when it changed everything. I don't know if I need to tell you this, but we will all one day die in this room. But Jesus' words provide eternal life. Jesus is the herald of the good news. He's not just a, a messenger that's talking about the king. He is the king delivering the message himself. And so he deserves all the power. He deserves all the worship. He deserves all our acknowledgement. And that's why the Jews wanted to kill him. The purpose of this passage in this section is about worshiping and honoring God. The Samaritan woman, as you recall, she worshiped men. The disciples, they worshiped themselves. The centurion worshiped his son. The cripple as well was blind to what God was doing as he was standing in front of him, just like the Jews were. By nature of the fact that Jesus is God, all of this passage is about worshiping and honoring him. And he has the right to judge, Jesus is saying, you want to kill me because I am saying I'm equal to God? Well, here's some more reasons why I'm also equal to God. The Father gives life, and so he grants the power to the Son to give life as well. And the only criteria for this life is simple, yet it's very profound, is believing in the Son, Jesus. And Jesus can speak deadness into life just like the Father can speak deadness into life because the Father has given and granted this privilege to the Son to do it. Jesus can give life because he has life in himself like the Father. God is self-existent. He has always existed. He will never die. And the life the Son has always possessed as God is able to make dead men and women like you and me alive as well by his powerful word. And this power, as Jesus says, comes because he is the Son of Man, as we see in verse 27. And if you're familiar with the Old Testament, this is uh, uh, the idea comes, or the title comes from Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 to 14. Daniel says, I saw in the night visions, 
And behold, the with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. The son of man, it refers to Jesus's humanity while the son of God title in our text as well shows us that Jesus is fully divine. No man could execute this judgment upon people except for Jesus because he is the son of man who is the son of God. And we have an amazing future that awaits us after this amazing present reality that we get to experience by believing in Jesus today. The Son of God, who is also the Son of Man, will speak a word and all will be raised to be judged. For those who believe, they will be judged to eternal life and those who do not believe will be judged to eternal condemnation. Where Jesus is God, he is equal to the Father. He acts like the Father. He gives life like the Father, but he also judges like the Father in righteousness. Jesus wants us to hear to obey. Where good works, they testify to an evidence of true faith. And where good works are lacking, Jesus says that they are a testament to a potential absence of true faith. And that's not meant to scare you, that's not meant to scare your friends, that's not meant to scare your family, but it's meant to warn you. It's meant to warn me. We should remind each other of these things. If you see me wander, it's not loving to allow me to wander down a path that could lead to my eventual destruction. Jesus died on the cross for all of our unholiness. And a Christian life is marked by a commitment to a resurrected life. When the Apostle Paul was hypothetically asked, shall we continue in sin based on this grace that we receive in his letter to the Romans, he sharply rebukes that thought. In Romans 6, chapter 4, he says this is the reason why. We were buried, therefore, with him, speaking of Jesus, by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And so as we battle in this world under the influence of sin, we rest in the fact that we have been released from sin's penalty, but also sin's power. And as the author, the pastor who wrote to the Hebrews in chapter 9, he says in verse 27, And just as it was appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who eagerly waiting for him. And so friends, we have two options. One option is to believe the gospel, that the good news that God saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And by doing so, you receive eternal life. It's a gift of grace. Even as we as believers, we struggle in this world and we still continue to sin, we're reminded 
of our resurrection life and that charges us to move forward in holiness, in obedience, and following what God says in his world while we are still not yet delivered from the presence of sin in ourselves and the world around us. And so option one is to believe and option two is you don't believe. And so what awaits for that is eternal judgment. Look at verse 29 again with me. This is the criteria. It shows that one who believes are those who have done good. Well, as we know, we don't do good on our own accord. And so the good that Jesus has done in being a sinless man is the good on our behalf. And those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil, which is all of us who have not put their faith in Jesus, to the resurrection of judgment, the righteous judgment that's deserved for all who've sinned against the holy and righteous God as a natural consequence of sin. And so friends, John took account of what took place in this discussion for a reason, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Jesus, God, the Word made flesh, shares that the consequences of believing is to be brought from life, from death to life. Hearing to obey is life as God wants us to live according to his Word. That's what's best for us. And so we should want that. And if you don't hear to obey, ask yourself the question, do I really believe? Am I really a Christian? And let Jesus' warning cause you to repent, to believe, to follow, to receive this eternal life that only Jesus provides. It's not too late to follow to receive the beautiful eternal life that only comes by believing in God's Son. And as the famous author talks about our best life now, and I don't suggest you read anything that he writes, but without believing in Jesus, this is your best life now. Not believing means future judgment, no hope, and eternal death, eternal death. But believing in Jesus comparatively means that this is your worst life now compared to what will come down the road. For those who believe, our life begins when this life ends. We will give an account. We will all worship. And a decision needs to be made before it is too late. Because as Paul says in his letter to the Philippians, God has highly exalted him, Jesus, and bestowed on him a name that is above every name, so that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is God, and those who hear and follow his voice will live, because he judges rightly. And so let's worship him, Let's worship him in giving of our tithes and offerings. Let's worship him as we sing songs of worship to him. Let's worship him for he is great and mighty. 
He providentially acts in the world. He is merciful, but he gives life because he also judges rightly. And so trust him in his right judgment for he forgives our sins and we can worship him as we were created to in spirit and in truth and we can enjoy him forever. Would you pray with me? Father, sometimes the words that you say, the words that you write are hard to believe. They're hard to follow. They're hard to obey. But God, we thank you that they contain the words of eternal life, as we'll see in a few weeks, as the disciples understood that. God, thank you for providing the solution to our sin for punishing your son so that we might not be punished for our sin God thank you that he lived a holy and perfect life so that he who knew no sin could become sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God and so God we ask that you would help us to live in accordance with your word God, when we stumble and when we fall, God, we thank you for your spirit that lives within us to convict us, to lead us, to guide us. God, we thank you for this church and these fellow believers that can come alongside us as we bear each other's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And God, right now, we want to worship you because you are God, because you are mighty because you are loving and because you give life. And God, we thank you that your righteous judgment for those who believe in your son can never be taken away. And so we worship you because of that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.